Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in for the first episode of our podcast, Groundbreakers. On this podcast, we interview early stage founders and real estate investors to hear their stories of what led them to have success in their career and hear their journey from zero to one. I'm joined today with Daniel Godbout, co-founder and CEO of Arivo. Arivo is your all-in-one solution for property management tailored for small to medium-sized property management companies. Revo is designed to simplify your operations, empower growth, enhance the overall efficiency of your property management process. And I'm very excited to be here today with Daniel and have him on the show. So as we get yeah. started, Daniel, yeah, I would love for you to intro yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for the introduction and having me on the, the show, Domingo, and for your, your first episode. Really um, excited about that. Um, yeah. So um, my, my background, uh, so I'm the CEO and co-founder of Revo. Uh, prior to that, I led the global infrastructure division at uh, PlayStation, Sony PlayStation, uh, for about 10 years. And I'd always been in IT um, pretty much since high school. Um, while I was at Sony, I started investing in real estate. So that was a big part of kind of what led me to um, to form Arivo. Before Arivo, we were actually called Folio Lens. So went through a bit of a change since we, we launched. But um, I was born in Minnesota. Um, I live in San Diego today. Uh, been in a few different parts of the country, and uh, yeah, been really fortunate to like have a bunch of random experiences to help kind of shape like what we're doing. And uh, there's no way I could really plan that, but um, it's been a fun and uh, exciting journey. That's awesome. And you know, hearing your story, and we've talked about this offline back when you were at Sony, and then going into like building a Revo and first Folio Lens. Like, what even got you started in entrepreneurship? What made you take the jump? Like you're at Sony for so long, you're a director there, like awesome role. Like what made you want to say, I'm going to be an entrepreneur now? Yeah, I, that's, um, it, it wasn't really clear cut for me. I, I always thought the, like the idea of starting uh, a business and having an idea that really warranted it and was worth it. Um, I was really excited about that to potentially happen, but um, it wasn't really obvious for me. I just, I had success early on uh, working for you know other companies, um, some small, but like ultimately led to you know working for a large company like Sony, and I had a lot of success with it. So you know I kept working at that, but eventually I could kind of see where like that um, that would go. Like I could see executives leaving the company, retiring, and um, I'd see other friends, and and just really like you can kind of see what your see what your destination um, was going to look like. And I always wanted more. Um, if I had the right idea, if I had the right team, that I, I would want to pursue that. Um, it never really fell in my lap, so I started with real estate. It was a way, in a like, really, I could, you know, control my own destiny with like finances and other things. And um, I tried it out. I tried other investing kind of strategies, but real estate um, works really well for me. I got excited about it. It um, made sense. And that's inadvertently led to um, really becoming an entrepreneur. Uh, but what really also helped was, um, you know, my co-founders and being surrounded um, by them because ideas are pretty common, I would say, or like you hear friends and family and a lot of other people have great ideas, but they don't necessarily um, see that through or execute on it. And I think part of it's like a motivation and getting the confidence and making sure you have the right people who have like the other skills that you don't have. Um, but yeah, I would, I, it's kind of random. I guess is the short answer, but uh, um, it's all that randomness that really like led to it. 
Oh, for sure. And I, I feel like the randomness is what leads you, I think, to finally take the plunge. You're seeing some of your coworkers that you like mentors leave Sony and really push you down that path. Um, I guess that kind of lets the question of like, you mentioned co-founders, how do you meet them? We'll love to learn more about them. And yeah, so, um, so Vince Samuel, he's our CTO and co-founder and, uh, he's actually my brother-in-law. So, uh, it wasn't too, you know, <laughs> Too strange to meet him, but uh, what was, I guess, really lucky is that he had the right complementary background. And we, so, you know, he was um, head of data privacy and security for Plume Design. He worked with KPMG um, and Autodesk and some other companies. And, you know, he had, um, he had some great leadership roles at those companies, but he also already had this like bug to be an entrepreneur. And we chatted in the past about like, you know, different ideas and possibilities. And we brainstormed for a while. We'd been on some family trips. And um, on one of those, that's actually where we started real, uh, investing in real estate together. Uh, we were in Minnesota. We just did this like cross-country trip. Um, I introduced him to some, like a new broker. And we started buying properties together. And so we thought that would be the idea. We got really excited about it. We had fun buying properties. And um, we thought we were getting pretty good at it. Uh, but it didn't really scale very well. So um, that like really like the challenges of that like led to um, starting the company. But it wasn't like too long after that, we met Erin um, Erickson, who's um, she's a, our co-founder, also heads up sales, marketing, design, like you name it. She handles a, a lot of different things on the team, a lot of hats. I mean, everybody does, but Erin um, definitely prides herself on on um, kind of being a jack of all trades, which is like fantastic for like being an early stage startup. You really need people who are going to be willing to, you know, jump into all, all different areas. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really fortunate to, to kind of, um, to get connected with them. Aaron, the way we met her was through, uh, we had an uh, advisor and investor who uh, we were working with. And uh, when we needed some help on the marketing side, um, who is one of the first, or she was one of the first um, recommendations. So, um, you know, we started, you know, working at like she was consulting for us and it very quickly grew into a full time role and then she took on a larger and larger one. And yeah, it's kind of how the, the three of us, the core kind of like team got together. Um, we've got a few other people on the team. Um, Daniel, another Daniel on the team who's in L.A. and some others. But yeah. No, that's awesome. And working with family members, I think some people love it. Other people don't. So love to hear that you've been able to work through it thick and thin. You guys have been working on this for around two years and six months. Um, and that's a long time to work with, I think, a family member. So, like, how have you made that through? Like, give us some of the good tidbits of good co-founder relationships. It, it actually was, like, really easy in the beginning. And the more, like, we get in the thick of it, like, the more we, like, we, we like, definitely argue and, like, buy heads on things. But uh, there's, like, it's all... I think like working together a bit beforehand helped. The time we knew each other was was great. I've definitely worked with other family members um, other than Vincent that it didn't go as well. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been great. I think it's all like based on an underlying you know level of respect and understanding and like common goals. Like there's alignment there at like a fundamental level. Uh, without it, like we would have killed each other a long time ago. But uh, yeah, it's 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 fun, and we both like appreciate the passion and like. I mean, definitely there's times where we, you know, we get on each other's nerves, but <laughs> maybe me uh, like getting more on his nerves than anything. But it's been good. No, that's awesome. No, thanks for sharing. And I think people will find that, you know, to be quite helpful as they think about their own path to finding co-founders. That's something uh, early entrepreneurs are looking into. 
Um, how did you first come up with the idea of Arivo? I know you mentioned that, you know, you're a real estate investor, like it kind of fell into your lap just due to the nature of what you're already building. But can you tell me a bit about how you came to that idea? Did you first start building it for yourself or did you already have a certain target customer in mind and how that whole process went? Yeah, so we definitely started with our own use cases in mind. Um, I was personally in a number of markets, um, which there wasn't really a solution to be able to handle that as an investor, a management company, a landlord. Uh, so I was, I am still today, I have properties in Florida, Arkansas, Tennessee, Minnesota, California, uh, and it looks like, you know, soon to be in Wisconsin as well. And um, what I found was even if I worked with one management company, um, that had a particular software. When I worked with another one that had the same software, they wouldn't even talk to each other. And that was kind of rare. Most of the time, like it was just completely different tools. So um, really where everything started, we, we called the company Folio Lens is because it was one way to, to really see and understand your entire portfolio, regardless of who is managing it, how you're managing it, um, across markets, across assets. And it was really like the layer on top of it. And uh, the lens was like that, that insight into all the financials. Um, but like, so, you know, the idea is one thing as we really got into it and we started testing theories and getting feedback, uh, more and more, we felt like the pool was coming from, um, the management companies, which at first was a little bit scary because there are a number of competitors in the space and it can be, um, pretty difficult or at least like you're almost scared away from it. So we didn't want to start there. Um, the nice thing about what we started out with, and we spent a lot of time really focusing on the individual investor, is we we really built a foundation of a lot of tools and insights that could be used in all kinds of different, um, for different personas and different use cases. And the other great thing is that the management companies we work with today, they have investors that are onboarding. And so they get the benefits of what we built. And it gives us a, a pretty unique um, experience for everyone on there. And like... Um, Anyways, like it really came down to we, we launched with one one idea in mind, and that was late last year. It was after I left um, Sony. And um, just by testing and getting users on the platform, seeing how they actually use it and then what they tell us, really understanding that we needed to make some changes. And while we were in uh, we were in Accelerator together last year uh, in Techstars, um, that was really helpful in like, just educating us and like, how to really understand like what the best way to go to market was and the best way to solve this problem. It still really comes down to the same problem. There's not, you know, there's a hodgepodge of tools that don't talk to each other. There's not a good way to see everything. And I think like how you approach is one way or one thing, but we're really in it for the long haul to address a bigger problem in prop tech and like the rental management space. And so we're in like, what I see is like the best of both worlds where we can work in a management company the, the residents as well as the investors, collaborators, kind of all kinds of personas. So it's really become like more of like a ERP system that we're rolling out for the rental space. And it's like one model after another. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, you know, we'll, we'll see how it adapts in the future. But the number one thing at this point is, you know, we have customers, we can get feedback and, and um, we take a lot of pride in working with them one-on-one -on -one and understanding those requirements. Oh, that's awesome. And it feels like, so just based on what you share, like first you're building it for your own use case. And I feel like that's where a lot of people come with, up with startup ideas, like a big problem you're facing in your own life. You come, you have an idea, you solve it, and then you're like, other people probably would benefit from the software. So love to hear that, that that's kind of how a, a Revo came into existence. And like, that's how you found, you know, your, 
your early signs of potential product market fit or customers. Um, so you did mention you were in Techstars. Um, would love to get, we were in it together. Um, would love to hear about your experience in the program. I know a lot of people are always thinking, should I do an accelerator? Should I not? Should I do Techstar? Should I do Y Combinator? Like, give us your full-fledged experience and, and you know, what do you recommend someone to do it? Yeah, we, um, so, you know, my team and I applied to both YC and Techstars. And I can tell you genuinely, we, like, from the beginning, we wanted to get into Techstars. And I think part of that's a personal choice for us. Like I, I see a ton of success with YC. There's a lot of respect. I follow a lot of things that they, they do as well. Um, but just through talking to other founders and interviewing the, um, the, the program teams in both cases, um, we're able to get, we felt a lot more comfortable and almost like at home and with the right, you know, the, the right team with the right idea to go to Techstars. And for, like you used to have a long shot to get in, but that was like, okay, we want, we're hoping we get into Techstars. Uh, so, um, but within that, we also like you, you have to really decide which Techstars um, acce- accelerator you want to get into. And at the top of our list was the uh, the Boulder um, cohort. And one of the reasons for that was it looked like there was more of a prop tech focus. Uh, we liked the hybrid um, nature of like how it was being organized compared to some other ones. And um, yeah, so, you know, fortunately we were able to get in, we were, you know, pinching ourselves because it was seemed unreal, but um, I'm very thankful for it. Um, I don't think the company would be anywhere close to where it's at right now without it. And there's a lot of reasons for it. Um, and it's also been different than I expected it to be in a lot, a lot of good ways. So I'm sure you, you know, like there's similar experiences for yourself, but um, I can now understand why companies going through tech stores just, tend to have more longevity and they have a lot of success why that program works so well and uh yeah i um i would recommend it for a first-time founder for sure i think a second-time founder that like really depends on like what you're trying to get out of it and how you would approach it do you have new team members or co-founders that would benefit but um you know it is it is like pricey in terms of equity to you know to be accepted it's a trade but um what you get out of it i think is like it it just, um, it's a slam dunk. It makes a lot of sense for us. Yeah. Do you mind touching on like, you know, you mentioned that your company would not be where it's at today. I think I feel somewhat similar with my own experience, but we'd love to hear like maybe two of the main call outs that you think that really changed the way you're building your company. Yeah. Uh, so number one, I think would be a common answer from other founders, but it's so true is that mentor network. Um, the quality of the mentors and like the genuine interest in like helping the companies in that uh, program, it's like it's very community driven. It's all about like giving. You can feel it. There's not like, um, yeah, it, it's just it's hard to to really describe. But those first two weeks and I think it was like the first couple of weeks in Techstars, you go through mentor madness. You're meeting with 60 mentors in um, I, I can't even remember how many days, but it's like, it ends up being, I guess it's like five days. It's like 12 meetings per day, 25, just lightning rounds. And it starts to build this, like you get all these benefits from that program with a, the mentors that you get this muscle, uh, this new muscle to be able to like kind of do more in less time because you know, you're fatigued, but you're still like, you're pushing. It also makes you, you're constantly like reintegrating new ideas, which is like really what you're doing in like a marathon format as a founder. So like, that's like an, a huge skill you need to have. 
is just constantly taking new feedback. Every customer call, every like VC shutting you down or doing this or that, or like, you know, the yeses and the noes, but also like all the stuff in between, you're constantly trying to like integrate it. And then like you're talking to the team and stuff like that. Um, the other piece besides the mentors, which are, by the way, are like almost everyone in there is like an all-star. Like you'd be so lucky to like even get a meeting with a lot of these people. But like they're now like you get, you know, coming out of Mentor Madness, you get a top, you know, few mentors who stick with you the entire program. Uh, and that's awesome. Like I've been able to stay in touch with a lot of them since then. Um, the other thing is uh, customer discovery, which I think the biggest thing for me was it taught us how to really um, think about um, sales. Like it's really customer discovery. You're just learning about problems, but it teaches you to really to like listen. It teaches you to um look for the right data points and really like figure out who your ideal customer is because like that's so important for an early stage startup like of course like when you start out you're like okay there's a huge market i can sell this to everybody or we you know we're building this for like these 50 million people but the reality is your ideal customer today with your limited experience and feature set is very like uh, narrow and you need it to be you need the people who like know what the problem is they know like how valuable it is or what it's costing them and they're really excited to work with you. They're going to be the ones to stick with you. Um, so you got to find those. But like, there's a whole recipe for it. I think Techstars does a great job of like breaking it down, making it like understandable. And you take that outside the program. So it's a 13 week program, but like, I still think about it today. It still influences how I handle almost any call with the customer. I love that. No, I feel very similarly to that experience. And I remember your team and the program and you specifically were such hustlers when it came to B2B sales. Like you got a meeting with the CEO of Bigger Pockets. And for those who don't know, it's sort of like one of the biggest real estate forums in like the last 15, 20 years. Like everyone listens to Bigger Pockets for all real estate related content. So do you mind sharing a bit of your tactics of like what led to that success? And like you were at so many different conferences, getting meetings with so many different people. Like, what are some of those tactics you can share with us? Yeah, um, you know, actually, I, like, it's almost the reverse where, I mean, we would like, we would try to figure out who we wanted to meet with, like, for sure. Or I haven't, like, we didn't get to meet with all the companies we wanted to. Uh, but, you know, Bigger Pockets is one of the reasons I got into real estate. So I was really passionate about, like, and excited, almost like a fanboy that I could meet with, like, Scott Trench and, like, and just, you know, the product team there. But um, it really started because um, we had, it was like, you know, Texter says like give first and it was very much like, how do we add value to people? But um, tactically, it was, you know, figuring out like the organization, like who we wanted to meet with, um, where, you know, like how could we connect with them, whether it was LinkedIn and like not just saying, hey, we'd like to meet with the CEO. But um, I think with, with Bigger Pockets, it started out with um, we have a friend who um, is like heads up an angel group uh, in uh, Colorado. and um, you know, Scott was a member of that. Um, so he was able to make an introduction because we'd like, you know, maintain a great relationship with the other, you know, that other um, uh, friend of ours in our network. And so you know, it was a little bit indirect, but um, just by really taking care of, you know, trying to find ways to help people, um, starting out with that first really, like, I think it led to it. Um, and also, you know, once you did get a meeting, I think the harder part was like turning it into something. And like we had to be pretty creative. Like, I mean, like in that, you know, meeting with Scott, he had some ideas of some things. And fortunately, Aaron on the fly could like design some new screens and mock it up. And then the next day or two days later, we could like email him and show him like, 
hey, this is like, this is like what you were talking about, right? Like, what do you think? And he's like, oh, wow, yeah, we should meet. So not all the meetings went like that, but we just get creative. I do pride myself that I feel like I can find anybody like anywhere, anywhere on earth, like not, not like in a stalkery way, but like, I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's like through LinkedIn and other ways, just like you figure out like, well, what's, you know, what's this person about? What do they care about? How can I help them? Um, if it was in someone in San Diego, for example, instead of like trying to tell them about what we do as a company, I would just see if they wanted to come by our meetup. You know, we do a real estate meetup every month and it's good for them. They like, if they're in, you know, property management company, they get to meet like potential investors and owners, like we're helping them. And then, you know, we'll of course like let them know what we do, but that's about the extent of it. And, uh, you know, it'll usually lead to a conversation, maybe, you know, somewhere down, down the road. No, I love that. And I love the piece that you can find anyone because I, I believe it just based on some of the people you've met with and you're like, Hey, do you know this person to me? I'm like, how the heck did you speak with this person, Daniel? <laughs> yeah, so no, that's awesome. Like a couple of key people in your, in your network that like they can, you know, if, if you really like treat them well and help them out and be like a good resource that, um, they can, you know, potentially make introductions for you in the future. And like, you know, yeah. it's a little talk like double opt-ins and stuff with, with meetings that, um, you know, we have a great advisor, Chris Moreno, uh, who's, um, he's like the prop tech guy. I think he calls himself the prop tech guy. It's kind of funny, but like, <laughs> but, he, but he really is like, he's great. He's, he like knows everybody and it's been to like every conference. So, um, it's, uh, you know, he's a go-to for us, like to be able to make an introduction. Oh, that's awesome. And I think the main call out there is like build meaningful relationships with people. I think. So much of like venture, like early founder life, it feels very transactional. And I think some of the best meetings you get are from these nurtured relationships you build where you're not immediately selling something. It's more so like, how can we get to know each other better? And then you built that relationship over time. So no, that's great here. Um, I guess kind of building off of that um, and, and going back to what you guys are building, property management software is quite a crowded space. But I think you've had quite success, like where even one of your early customers wanted to be an investor, or I think is an investor in your company, which I think is an amazing feat. Like, how have you been able to cut through the noise and land some of these early customers? Yeah, um, you know, we have to, I think we've got like three, we have at least three customers who are investors um, now. And um, so actually, like, I, I think our, our cap table is, is like made up of like, it's becoming more and more customers, which is cool. Um, so. Yeah, I guess one reason for that um, success is just like, yeah, with like customers working with them like one on one and like we're not creating different messaging for a customer or investor. We're really like showing them what we're trying to do. They get to meet the whole team. They get to see like the good, bad and the ugly. I think they, you know, that's part of just appreciating it and it builds a long term relationship. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. Some of it's, um, you know, lucky. Um, I think, you know, the, the investor you're talking about, cause I, it was right at the, the tail end of Techstars. We met because we were playing darts on like a, it was like a, it's like chicken wings at this, like this pub in San Marcos here. And they do it every Wednesday. It's like, you know, it's, it's super dirt cheap, but we had a friend who I met at the co-work space we're at. He invited us to go and, uh, we were playing darts and like, one person introduces to another person who introduced that person. He ended up on a call and he was super like pumped about what we were doing. Like it felt like nobody else was doing it. Um, immediately became a customer and, uh, you know, he, our customers are business owners. So that also helps as well. They tend to be investors, um, in real estate and they know that my entire team is all real estate investors from like single family, multifamily, commercial, co-working spaces. 
Um, so, you know, we get to talking about business and I, I think there's an appreciation for like what we do um, or like our background coming to it. Uh, I don't, I don't actually sure answer your question, but like, it's just how we, we think about it. And I, I think it's a little bit lucky and, and uh, I don't know, I imagine more and more of it, like, or we'll see like more of that along the way. Yeah, no, very serendipitous. I think a big piece of it is just putting yourselves in scenarios in which this can happen. Like the fact that you just met this person while you're playing darts, you host monthly meetups with real estate investors. Like you're not ever planning for this to happen, but it does because you're putting yourself in those scenarios. So no, that's awesome. Um, I guess now that you've been in the entrepreneur journey for the last two and a half years, like what advice would you give yourself when you're first starting off? Like what would you do differently? You know, what are some of the biggest learnings you had? Yeah. Um, we may, well, so I, I feel like I'm tallying up the amount of like just obvious lessons. I'm like, Oh, geez, if I knew that, like, or oh, like if I ever had another adventure, like it would be like, I'd get to this point so much faster. I don't know that that's actually true, but like it just, I think it speaks to how many lessons, um, that you learn along the way. And, um, one of the, I, I, I have learned to like, tr uh, trust my, um, like my team's ability to like learn quickly. And it's not just like a hard skill, but it's like trusting that you've seen a track record of, of, you know, every month we've gotten a lot better. There's like this breakthrough process change or something else that like, um, ha has adjusted and we're integrating that now. It feels like we should have known it all along, but it's just more of like how fast you're able to, um, adapt. And if you have the right team, I think that makes it a lot easier. But like some like tangible things that I wish I was, like better at or I figured out earlier on was uh, we spent way too much time building without customers in the beginning. Uh, we were just like, we didn't knock, we weren't even launched. Like we were building for a long time. I had a full-time job. I really wish like I would have focused on the right things a little bit more, got more feedback, but customer discovery the right way in the first place. Um, another thing is I was like, I can honestly say I was like, I was hiding behind the computer a little too much before getting into tech stars. And like, even like before now, um, in that I had to get a lot more comfortable with sales as a co-founder. You cannot, like, I, I'll say like a hundred times to somebody, just, you, you can't just like outsource. You're going to hire somebody to do sales for you. You're going to have to learn that. Like, I mean, maybe you get some, some luck, but even if you're not, you don't have to be a salesperson. You don't have to be that sales. Like you have this idea of what a salesperson is. You don't have to be that, but you do have to be the one making the calls. You do have to be setting up the appointments, figuring that out and really like owning it. Like someone on the, one of the co-founders does. And I was like shying away from that. I was like, I'm the introvert. I worked at PlayStation doing IT stuff and infrastructure. And I don't like public speaking and this and that. But um, it's not really that. It's when you do these, like, I think when you approach sales, when you're just trying to help people, um, it's a lot different. So it's it's definitely a fundamental skill that goes along with having like a early product that you're shy about. I mean, you're almost embarrassed about that. You don't even want to talk about it. You don't want to like send anything about like, I think you got to do that a lot earlier and get incremental feedback, find somebody, find customers early on, even before you launch and try to really understand them and launch it to them, build it for them before it's even built. Don't build it. And then like, you'll find customers, find the customers and go build it for them. And even if it's on a small scale, because after all that building, we realized that we struggled to go to market in the beginning. And um, it took a while to really like try different traction channels, like doing a lot of marketing um, of, what we do. And it's like all internet led, you know, product led sales where we had to, because of our B2B nature and like what we've done in the last six months, 
it's just more advantageous to like go to direct directly to customers. I mean, I was like shot the other day. We uh, we were going to get um, get coffee or lunch, and um, Aaron on our team was just like, "Hey, uh, grab like uh, some of the like brochures we just printed out for this like conference." And like, there's property management companies on the street, and I'm like, I would never have like just stopped in and been like, "Hey, this is what we do." And um, you know, now I am very comfortable. I actually got kind of excited about it, but I don't like you know walk in the door and like pitch our company. I just invite them like to our meetup or just like, Hey, just introducing yourselves. We're your neighbor. We're like right down here. And it's like little changes in tactics to get you comfortable. If you're not comfortable with that can go a long way. So um, that's been like an exciting evolution. I don't know that I could just say like, I knew, if I knew that I could change it, but like I would have really spent more time on it earlier on and like made, you know, figured it out. I feel so, so similar to you, especially on the customer discovery piece. Like we spent so much time, I think we first quit our jobs, just focusing on building our product, not getting actual feedback from people. And I think that's something Techstars does really well. It's like, no, you should stop building, go talk to customers, get their feedback, understand what they want, and then build for them. And I think like you see why venture investors prefer to invest in second time founders versus first time. I think a lot of people make that big, like that mistake. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a, yeah, they're the odds, the odds are against you. Uh, but those second time founders had to be first time founders at one point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. So, um, I, think we're, I think we're, we're going to be those founders. So um, I'm very optimistic about it and really excited about like, you know, the kind of traction both of our companies have had. Yeah. So I guess looking towards the future. Like, where do you see Arrivo going? Like, what are you most excited about? There are more. Yeah, you know, one of the, I was just uh, earlier uh, talking to a couple of people on the, our team that um, I'm, I love the phase we're in right now because it's not like idea or we're building in a vacuum and, um, or we're trying to prove ourselves to like um, invest. Like, it's really like we have a product in like customers. And so like our, um, the, challenge right now and like of course like you know we're we're building up steam and like there's still all a huge long ways to go but what's fun right now is like we're starting to feel bottlenecks in different parts of like the process it becomes like operational operationally challenging i'm like i've I've been like dreaming of this like i wanted it to be difficult on on these points which it's really frustrating and like stressful on another level Uh, because now you know you're dealing with like you have real businesses like their their money like you can affect how things go for them but um, that's been really fun because like it really gives you so many other like um, ways to like make improvements. It's a target rich environment. And like, I'm, I was, I'm just like looking forward to hitting the next like bottleneck, like clearing the, the one we're in right now and then hitting the next one. And it'll be all around like sales, onboarding, operational stuff, compliance, like for a bit. Um, I think we're in a really good, spot with like top of funnel and and um figuring that that part of it out but um yeah it's probably like uh like a pendulum like one day it's going to be this the next day it's going to be you know it's going to go backwards but uh yeah the the team i think that like you see the confidence in the team that's really fun and um it just attracts other people so we we don't usually have to like go out and like recruit or think about it so much that way like People who want to be part of it like tend to like find us, and that's been exciting. That's awesome. What do you feel like was that shift? Like going from like this is an idea. I'm like I have a few customers, but I'm not sure what they want. To now like you know what? It's operationally intensive. 
which is a great sign because it means people want what you have and you just can't get it out fast enough. Yeah. Um, a couple things like it, it's not super exciting, but I think, um, really fixing like how like, um, we were getting sales qualified leads was pretty important. Um, and making sure that, um, you know, our strength was like, we found that person really like connecting them with like the solution that we, we have and what we've built and like our vision and how we support and like treat our customers. Um, where we struggled a little bit, um, especially early on was like how much investment and effort would go into, um, uh, SEO or search engine marketing and like different kind of these other traction channels. We weren't really great at that. I think like we're going to, we'll figure out a lot of that stuff and, and grow faster because of it. But, um, it just brought it back to the basics on just meeting people, connecting them with like our solution. If they, if the problem matched and, um, that opened up the door and it gave us the confidence to say, okay, like this works, let's go expand that. And then that became more of like a easy operational exercise or not easy, but like I could wrap my mind around a lot easier than like just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks like that can be really frustrating. And so that that's been like, that definitely made things click a lot more. And after enough, those like few customers in the beginning were so important to be able to, um, I, I guess help like shed light on what we needed to do. That's like, that's been the big difference. That's awesome. Now I feel like figuring out what sales channels you're best at. And for you, it's clearly like in-person relationship, actually like getting to know your customer, like, which speaks volumes to the fact that they've also invested in your company. So no, that's awesome. Um, so I guess my last question to you is going to be more like personal around your real estate investing, like any advice you'd give to people that want to get started investing. Um, you, you did that early on in your career. And I think it's been pivotal for even where you're at now. And what you're building now, like any advice for people that want to get started investing in real estate? Yeah, uh, if if you you're looking at your first deal or you're, you're starting to think about it, uh, like I would do two things. One is um, get to real estate meetups. That's how I got started. Um, and find you know, there's uh, there's so many different types of formats. There's like the local um, real estate investing associations, but there's also a lot of casual ones, and and uh, that's pretty much what I use to get started. To meet a few people, and that's actually how what led me to my first property. But the other thing that really helped was instead of just like you know surfing on on um, uh, on, the, on like Zillow looking at properties, is um, finding ways to like take a tangible like action. So um, it could be you know depending on your like how you want to invest or try it out. If it's like if it's fractional, like it's actually you know getting a demo and like kind of checking things out. If it's um, you're going to buy a property in a certain market. It's outside your market. Like, go there, go meet people, and uh, you know, get your, you know, um, you know, ask questions. Like, uh, you know, consider, you know, making purchase or purchase offers, and like, it's just like action. I guess is the the bottom line. It's like if you find yourself on podcasts for three months and you haven't done anything or you read every book, like you've gone too long. You need to stop. There's nothing out. There's no secret magic silver bullet that's going to help you get that like magical deal. And I know you'll hear like all these metrics, 1% rule, 2% rule. I don't know if you can find those right now, but like whatever the rules are, like you really just need to like to talk to people and start like, you know, pencil it out. See if it like makes sense. Um, very, you know, in, in a simple way, if it does take action and you gotta be fast. So like the more reps you get, cause even if you, you can be looking at like the deal of a lifetime, 
if you've never done one before, you're not going to get that deal because you have to be like pretty quick. And the only way you can be faster is by addressing some of those doubts that you have. You need to know what like certain offers are supposed to look like. You know, some people will start out wanting to get seller financing. Well, if you've never looked at a contract and like, you know, how they're going to send you amortization schedules or like what the offers could po possibly look like and what those mean, then you're going to get stopped. So it, it maybe sounds more complicated, but the bottom line is like take actions. I think what helped me was I was looking at Zillow and forever and I'm like looking at all these deals. I'm like, oh, this isn't pencil out. And it helps to do that exercise a little bit, but eventually you need to just like call the broker who's selling the proper property and just see what's up and they'll send you information that you weren't able to get online before and go from there. It'll start like coming together pretty quick. That's great advice. I actually have so many friends who've been saying they want to invest in real estate for years. They've listened to so many podcast episodes. So that comment really stuck a chord <laughs> um, because yeah, nothing holding them back, but like fear effectively. Th three months. That's what the alarm bell should sound. You've done enough. Like you need to get out there. Go try oh, for sure. Go take a week and go visit your like your market. If it's in your backyard, then just like yeah, go see the property. Go walk it. Go walk through it. No, that's awesome. Uh, well, thanks so much for joining us, Daniel, on the very first episode of Groundbreakers. If any viewers or listeners wanted to find you or learn more about Revo, like where could they do that? Yeah, I'm gonna go out on a limb and give you my cell phone number. I've never done this before, but I thought it'd be fun. Uh, I might have to change my number, but no. it's nine, 909-609-6845. Text me, seriously, like um, if you wanna meet, if you wanna get a demo of our products, um, however I can help out, let me know, but uh, yeah. And if any listeners wanna become real estate investors, I think Arebo is a great product for you to look into to manage all your properties, so. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the first episode of Groundbreakers. We drop episodes every Thursday morning, and we can't wait for the next guest to be on. So thank you so much, Daniel. really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Domingo. It's been awesome.